I think the most important thing you can learn is is connections. I can only imagine what my mom was thinking when, um, you know, when the first death threat came. I I hated authority for authority's sake. I didn't want an overarching government or authority figure telling me what to do. Uh, you know, I didn't want—I didn't want to be governed by the CDC making up their mind on a random Tuesday and making law because that's that's reserved to. Uh... Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Impetus Minds of the Driven. Today, I have one of, if not the fastest-growing conservative talk show host in all of the South, if not the entire country. Please welcome to Impetus Minds of the Driven. Noah Ring. Glad to be here. Man, one of the cool things that I cannot wait to talk with you about is how you've grown. Uh, I mean, you're 20 years old right now, and you have connections with people that I've only heard of in like fairy tales, like political fairy tales, which is kind of crazy. Um, and I'm really excited to talk about where your career is going with this. I know that we have some really fun things that we want to share with the audience uh, at the end of this episode. So we if you want... Them, we can't tell them too early. It's, gonna, <laughs> it's all about audience retention. Of course. So if you want to know some of the things that Noah and I have talked about off camera, you are going to have to stick around to the very end of this episode. And that content, though it will be available for free, for everyone, it will bleed directly into the bonus material that we talk about over at Locals.com. So if you want access to all of the content for this episode, including the bonus material that we have where we're going to talk about some very special things going on with Noah and his show, make sure you go over to www.forerunnerproductions.locals.com and become a supporter today. Also, this episode is brought to you by Pale Horse Coffee. Stay caffeinated, stay angry, look unapproachable. If you want 10% off of your order at www.palehorsecoffee.com, make sure you use promo code FORERUNNER at checkout. It'll get you 10% off your order. Again, that is palehorsecoffee.com for 10% off of your order. Noah. Chad. Are <laughs> you gonna throw it back at you like that? Um, we have to talk about how you got started in politics. Well, you've mentioned to me a, a brief story off camera. I want you to go the full deep dive. How does somebody in their early twenties, right, twenty years old, decide that they want to have a career in politics? So it starts obviously years ago. Um, you know, as a kid, I always, yeah. I, well, I remember being a kid. Um, second third grade maybe and uh, it was math class and i remember this is like right after the whole common core push by by president bush and i remember you know my teachers were always like oh we got to count off if you don't show your work because uh, if i don't i mean i could always do you know two times two in my head and i guess some kids couldn't um and so i remember thinking like why i mean why do i have to show my work well i remember one time it was a few years later it's probably fourth or fifth grade at this point um I, I, I did a test and I got I came back with an 80 and I, there was nothing marked wrong. It was just minus 20 points. And so I remembered asking my teacher like, hey, like why did, why is there, you know, why did I get an 80, not a hundred? I got all the questions right. And she goes, well, you didn't answer, or sorry, you didn't show your work on the questions. So I wasn't able to give you full credit. And I said, why? And she was like, well, in case you were cheating. And I remember going, we were in the same room you know, and at the time, obviously, I can't. I wasn't like, well, I wasn't on my phone because fourth grade was eight, nine years old. You don't even have, well, they have phones now, but back in the day, 
you know, it was the boost mobile phones that you could like, it was like a walkie talkie. You, mm. you weren't doing math on those. Um, and I remember thinking at the time, like, I, I hated authority for authority's sake is what I call it. It's when, you know, there's certain things that the government or your parents or schools tell you that matter. You know, don't stick a fork in a socket. It's probably a good idea. But then there's certain things that just don't matter. You start to run into to ideas that people like power. Let's take look what's going on in the House right now. Nancy Pelosi put forth a mask mandate. And even though I think every single House member is vaccinated at this point, and there's not one in the Senate. And I mean, there's a line right in the middle, I guess, that you can catch COVID on the House side, but not the Senate side. So it, it, I, I hate authority for authority's sake. And then eventually that led into you know, starting to understand why and starting to understand politics. And uh, there's a great quote, I think it's by Socrates or Plato, where he said, uh, if you're not in politics, you're governed by, you're worse. Basically people who are not as smart as you. Um, so that's really what led into politics, me just being anti-authority, wanting an answer really for the reasons why things are the way they are. I remember the first political issue I really had was uh, seatbelts. Mm-hmm. I remember as a kid, I was like, why do I have to wear a seatbelt? You know, most of the Western laws are based on externalities. You know, the, I can't stab you because it hurts you. Right. I, excuse me, I can stab myself. You know, there's no law against that because it, there's no externality. So I remember thinking as a kid about seatbelts, like if I don't wear a seatbelt, I'm the only one who gets hurt. Mm. And obviously wear seatbelts, it's probably safe, but it's still at the same time, the government shouldn't be able to force it. Right. Now, you also told me a story about how you, at a very young age, you uh, were campaigning in like the second grade for John McCain. Yeah. Yeah. I remember I was a, I was a kid and uh, somebody had told me or I, I heard somehow that Barack Obama, it's probably on the school bus, I heard that Barack Obama wanted uh, to go to school on Saturdays. And let me tell you that I guess Noah, uh, eight-year-old Noah Ring was a one-issue voter, and I did not want to go to school on Saturdays. Five days was enough. I was there 40-whatever hours a week, and five days was enough. I didn't want to do it. And so, uh, you know, most schools have mock elections, mm-hmm. which I thought at the time counted. Why wouldn't it count? I mean, right. and mo- modern day, I mean, I wouldn't have to show an ID, so maybe an eight-year-old could vote. So I remember uh, uh, campaigning. Uh, me and my friend made a these little flyers and it was like, you know, John McCain, Barack Obama. And then all it said was wants school on Saturdays, doesn't want school on Saturdays. And that was enough. And guess what? John McCain got every single vote besides one. <laughs> okay. So you guess there was some nerd who wanted to go to school on Saturdays, but that was, <laughs> that was my first, I guess I... there was some nerd who wanted to go to school on Saturdays, but that's really, that was my first experience with campaigns. Obviously it's got a little bit more complex mm-hmm. since then, you know, tax rates and stuff like that. I wish it was as simple as, he wants to go to school on Saturdays. He doesn't. So mm-hmm. that'd be a lot easier campaign to win. Yeah, no kidding. So why politics in general? Beyond just the idea of you have this thing with authority, as you began to realize sort of the cesspool that politics is or can be, mm-hmm. why did you decide that you wanted to stick with it? Because <laughs> the time I've spent in politics, I've learned that most people in politics aren't smart. And most people or most people think they're smarter than they are. Uh-huh. And so they think they're better than you and they think that they should be able to govern you. And I've always kind of believed in people being able to make their own choices. Mm. So Self-agency. Exactly. And, and the, the irony is I cut into politics um, because I didn't want politics to affect my life. Because if I don't do it, there's gonna be somebody who will, and I have no idea what they're, what they're you know, you, you don't spend every second of every day with a person. 
So I, I never knew their convictions, and I, kn I know my convictions. So I knew that you know if I could affect anything, um, I really wanted to get in so I could affect for good, to so make sure that the government is respecting my rights as much as they respect yours and everyone's rights. Uh, I, I live by a moral philosophy is do whatever floats your boat so long as it doesn't sink mine. Um, so that's really why I got into it because I didn't want politics to affect my life. I didn't want an overarching government or authority figure telling me what to do. Uh, you know, I didn't want I didn't want to be governed by the CDC making up their mind on a random Tuesday mm -hmm. and making law because that's that's reserved to uh, the enumerated powers in the Constitution to the Congress. It's one of the greatest memes that's come out of this whole COVID thing is like after the past year and a half, there are still people that have come out of this whole COVID thing and decided that they still want the government to be able to decide things for them in their life. Yeah. And I wonder how people logic to that thing. And maybe that's something we can talk about a little bit later. But I want to know about your family. I want to know how, like, did your family give you any pushback? Did they encourage you at all to go further into the politics realm? I'm sure that no mother really wants their son to get mixed up in, into having, you know, warrants put out on their on their, you know, right. their kid because the opposing party doesn't like what they have to say. And yet we see all the time with big political figures that that's what eventually, if you get big enough, that's what happens. The death threats start rolling in. Why? Mm -hmm. Because you say something. Yeah. Yeah. You know, obviously there's, I think, I think most mothers want, you know, their kids to be safe. Mm -hmm. um, I, I would at least it's hope. Pretty safe assessment there. I, would I think say. it's a good, I don't think that's a controversial. That's not my most controversial. <laughs> opinion. I'll put it like that. Um, so I think most people, you know, well, one, stepping back even more, I think most people just want to live a good life and a safe life. Um, you know, there's definitely been pushback, and my mom and I have disagreed on things, you know, politically in the past, most things we agree on. Um, but, yeah, there was definitely some pushback at times, uh, you know, when I, I, now I have it as, like, kind of like a, uh, a badge of honor that I have death threats. Um, but, uh, you know, there's definitely, I can only imagine what my mom was thinking when, um, you know, when, the first death threat came in. I think I was a junior in high school at that point um, because I put something out about people. I think people should be able to own firearms or something like that. Some, I don't even hold any really very crazy beliefs. I just believe in limited government and people should be able to have the rights that were granted to us by our forefathers. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, my mom, but now obviously that, you know, she's one, she's understood that there's no talking me out of it now and I'm kind of too far to turn around. Um, she's, she's definitely very supportive, you know, the whole family is, they think it's cool actually. Um, and one of the good things that have really came out of it that never would have happened if I didn't, um, if I didn't get into politics, uh, actually is with, with my grandfather. So my, my family came over to Georgia originally, um, in the late 1600s, early 1700s, in land granted to or deeded to us by the king, um, and since then, my family has been full of pastors and veteran and military, um, and different stuff like that. Very service-based uh, family, and well, my one grandfather, he's a Vietnam veteran. Mm -hmm. um, he actually didn't want to join. It wasn't a draft, but it was like a court thing, right? He he was a reckless teenager, and he was you know they were like basically go to jail, go to court. So he went to court, uh, or he went to sorry, go to jail or go to you know, the military. So he joined the Navy. Um, and while he was in the Navy, he, uh, suffered a spinal cord injury that, um, that at the time didn't give him any problems. And then a couple of years ago, he, um, he fell and, uh, the way, when he fell, it like nicked the injury and luckily it was documented. Um, but now, um, he, he's, you know, didn't lose the, the, uh, his legs, 
that he didn't lose complete use of them, but they're obviously not what they were before. Mm-hmm. And, you know, wheelchairs, walkers, whatever. So they moved uh, a couple of years back up to Delaware. And they, uh, they've been having problems with the VA I've, you know, ever since he got back from Vietnam. They've been having problems with the VA. But um, I remember I, I was driving, actually, from Athens to my hometown. And I, um, I was talking to my grandmother. I was like, oh, you know, what are you up to? I, when I'm in the car, I like to make phone calls because it passes time. You get tired of listening to music unless it's short straight. So um, I was on the way back, and she's like, you know, I've been on the, I've been on the phone with the VA all day. At this point, it's 2 in the afternoon. She's probably she'd been on the phone with them since 9 a.m. And so I said, well, hold on, grandmother. Give me a second. And I, I, um, I made a phone call uh, to my congressman. And I said, hey, congressman, um, I know that, or I called his office, I should say. Um, and I and I was like, you know, I know that they're not your constituents, but um, do you think you could, you know, maybe help? And uh, what had happened? They they had been waiting on paperwork for a while. Um, something with uh, I don't know exactly what the paperwork was for. They've been waiting on paperwork for a while, a couple of months at this point. And you know, I made that phone call, and then I don't know what he did. He must have called somebody. I think he's. Uh, I think he's on one of the committees that oversees the VA, mm-hmm. and he called somebody. And uh, this was on a this was on January twentieth, inauguration day. So I think that was a Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday. And I didn't expect to hear back. It's inauguration day. Most congressmen are at there. Most senators. Um, and uh, let's just go with it was a, I think it was a Tuesday. And then uh, by Friday, the VA had sent somebody to my grandmother's house with the papers in hand. They weren't fooling with the mail anymore. In hand with the papers. And it ended up getting filed, and then you know my grandfather got whatever, whatever it was he got that obviously all veterans earned, mm-hmm. and that that to me is you know, if I get nothing else out of me you know the connections I've made, I think that will always uh, show that it's it's possible to get stuff done if you you know if you use the proper channels and if you use Congress and your congressman and your senator to good. Um, because I have a good friend named Rich McCormick who's running uh, in GA 7th District to uh, to be that congressman. And one thing he said on my podcast, I let Freedom Ring a couple of weeks ago at this point, is he's my, my co-host at the time asked, well, what, what's your goal is to put America first? And he goes, as a congressman, you know, especially as a first a freshman congressman, you really don't have any power. But constituent services are something that I can do to be to make my constituents' lives better. Mm-hmm. And so that was his goal with it. Um, so that's so after that story, uh, nobody in my family questioned why I was in politics anymore because it worked out and it definitely helped. So that that's probably after that, you know, now all my family's like, yeah, yeah, keep doing this. You know, you'll start to get more and more connections higher up. You might even know the president one day. Now, who was your first big connection that you landed of your own accord? Not because of a family connection per se. I know that's hard to differentiate because how these people are brought into our lives is is kind of interesting, but as you're going through this process, you're, you're getting more and more involved in politics, uh, especially through your teenage years. At what point did you land your first big, like, I know somebody now? Right. Um, well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'll tell you two things. So I'll tell you the first time that I thought, you know, I was like, oh, I'm cool. So I really got really, you know, I've been, I've been involved in politics since 2015. You know, I, I supported Donald Trump, you know, obviously a 14 year old kid at this time, you know, I have no power, you know, I'm not making phone calls and getting them a lot of votes. Um, and so that led, you know, I'd been conservative on Twitter. I'd just pretty much been retweeting these people, uh, you know, people like Ben Shapiro, Charlie Kirk, I'd been retweeting them. And I remember, uh, it was after the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas shooting. 
that's when I really started to, um, this, well, it was actually because of the, um, it was because of the, the, the coach. You remember the coach who uh, held the door open, I believe it was, and he saved countless lives and yeah. he ended up dying. Um, I can't, I can't think of his name, but he, you know, that, I think that's the story of America. Mm-hmm. People like that selflessly, you know, he could have ran out and saved his life and nobody would have, nobody would have called him a coward at all. Because right. most people, 99% of people, but I think America is great because of that 1% of people are probably even less than 1% of people who serve in the military and serve and will, will, will sacrifice for others. Um, and after that, I started tweeting, you know, in support of, or really anti-David Hogg, in support of guns and stuff like that. And this guy, his name was Maga Gary 67 He had like 60,000 followers, right? Which at the time, I thought, I had like 400 followers. So I thought, I was like, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. And he DM me and he said, hey, Noah, you know, I have this group chat, this, that, the other. We want to help, you know, promote your message because this is before Kyle Kashuv had really came onto the scene. Because he didn't come onto the scene, if you remember, for a couple of weeks. So David Hogg, Emma Gonzalez, Delaney Tarr, who actually goes to UGA, I've ran into her a few times, really great. All the March for Our Lives kids um, were, they were, you know, they were on CNN, MSNBC, all these places yeah. attacking the NRA, attacking, you know, law-abiding gun owners. And, um, I remember, you know, he, you know, he really kickstarted, I would say, my political career. Like, I'd mm-hmm. always been interested in politics, but I didn't, well, I was, I just wanted to be a lawyer, um, which, again, also affects politics in a way. Um, and then, you know, because of that and because of, you know, the work I put in and a lot of people who supported me really early on, I remember, actually, I, I would say the first time that I, I got a connection or a follow or something that really was, like, crazy to me was when one of the Robertsons followed me, Al Robertson. He followed me, and I remember I was, I was getting out the shower, and I saw that it said, Beardless Bro has followed you. And I was like, who is this? You know, like, you know, you can't tell who that was. And I remember it was Al Robertson. I was like, oh, my God, I dropped my phone. I thought it was so cool. Um, <laughs> and that's just, you know, one of the – because, you know, I'd grown up watching Duck – I'm from South Georgia. I yeah. love Duck Dynasty. It's the best show ever. Um, and so I followed him back, and then, you know, it's call it shooting your shot or whatever. You know, I get I'm followed by, like – some senators or some congressmen or whatever you shoot them a dm they don't reply because it's yeah. you know their twitters are handled by some 22 year old georgetown political science intern been, yeah i've been there done that exactly so they don't reply and if they do it's just a basic oh thank you thank you for your support and it's like mm-hmm. i want to talk to you i don't want to th- but anyway so he you know he replied and very graciously created a a friendship that's cultivated over the years um and then i would have to say my favorite my favorite thing that would somebody knew me was at an event, um, and there was a there was a congressman there, who um, was fairly well known, um, and it was Congressman uh, Doug Collins actually, and I go, oh Congressman Collins, you know I'm Noah Ring. I, I I suffer sometimes from imposter syndrome, where I'm like, why what why do, you know, raised in South Georgia, why is it that you know I'm here, right? Some I think at any time. Why does just, anyone else care that I'm exactly here? like yeah. you know why why am I at this table having this discussion? I think at any time it could, the curtain could shut and my, you know, and I, I would be grateful for the time and all I've learned. Um, but Congressman Collins was like, oh yeah, I know who you are. Um, and I was like, oh, this Congressman who, as you know, defended Trump in the, in the impeachment Mm -hmm. hearings in the Senate, it was like crazy to me that he knew who I was and that he, or that he had heard of me. Um, so I would say that's probably the first time that I was like, whoa, like this is one of the people who, you know one of the 500 or so members of Congress who like, you know, vote on laws and this guy has met the president and everything like that. And then obviously, you know, I'm, you know, 
Sonny Perdue is a great person who I know, who's a great friend of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I, I, so I don't know when the first when it first happened. I didn't remember the first one. I remember was Al Robertson and then Congressman Collins later on after that. Awesome, man. And I, the next question I want to ask you is about your drive. But first, I want to talk to all of you at home. I have released my first book, You're Not Special, You're Gifted. And it, for those who can't see, it is right here. This is my book. It deals directly with this idea of finding your mission. What are you passionate about? What are your desires? pushing back against this idea of the uh, participation trophy culture and getting into the nitty gritty of you're not special, but you have a gift, a gift that specifically equips you to solve a problem in this world, how to fight the depression and how to fight the coward that is in all of the back of our heads telling us that we can't go and do something, that we can't be who we were meant to be when we were put on this earth. I highly recommend that if you are trying to find a vector, a direction for your life, if you need a little bit of a motivational push in your life to go out and use your gifts to give unto others that others may give, this book is what you need. It has amazing lessons in it. It is something that has been brewing in my mind since I was born. I go all the way through my life and all my life experiences as to how I've been able to build Forerunner Productions, my time in the military, as well as life before that and my first failed business and how I dealt with the failure, how I went through the journey of discovering my gifts. It's a short read because I don't think that motivational self-help books should be very long. It should be something that gives you what you need to be successful and then if you need to, you can come back to it and read it again. So go get my book, You're Not Special, You're Gifted. It's available everywhere, Amazon, Barnes & Noble and some of your local retailers be sure to check it out. If your local retailer isn't carrying it, go and request it because that helps us get it on their shelves. Again, the book is called You're Not Special, You're Gifted. So speaking about drive, who do you attribute the drive that you have had in your life? Who do you uh, sort of place the, the, the burden of proof on more or less where it's like, I am the way I am today. I have gone and striven and, and strived to, to be what I am, to grow the way that I've grown because of this person's influence or because of this event's influence. Right. Well, first and foremost, God, obviously, you know, God said very early on, he who does not work does not eat. Mm. And that's, if you don't work and you're not willing to put in the work, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to succeed. You're not going to eat. Um, and obviously that's a very harsh example, you know? Uh, but I think really the person, uh, that I would have to do would be my mom. I mean, my mom is the hardest worker I know. So, I mean, since I was a kid, she's always worked hard. She's had her own businesses. She's, worked for people and everything like that. She's honestly, I don't know how she does it sometimes. Sometimes when I want to complain, I think about how hard she works and everything she sacrificed uh, to put me and my sister in a position to, you know, go above and beyond your parents. Cause that's, that's the goal of every parent is for their kids to have a better life than they had. Right. Mm. And that's, maybe it should be, it should be right. And getting back to, you know, I don't think that's a, you know, a very controversial opinion. Um, and because she, she's, you know, she started businesses in the past, not all have succeeded. Mm-hmm. Some some are doing okay. Um, Any entrepreneur that looks at you and tells you that every business venture they've ever tried has succeeded is lying to you straight to your face. Yeah, or or they're they, <laughs> or they're they're the most lucky person in the world. Because I, I mean, I've started probably hundreds of businesses since I was 13 years old, and mm-hmm. only a few of them are really are still around to the point where they can even be considered a business. I mean, yeah. from yard sales to I mean, I used to watch, walk people's dogs. 
I wrote, I tried to write a book when I was like 10 years old. I don't think I ever finished it. Um, but no, I mean, she's really who I would have to, you know, whenever I would say on the hard days or what I, what I would consider a hard day, I think about all the things she's had to do. Um, and I realize, okay, well, it's not as bad, you know, she grew up in, you know, South Georgia raised by somebody who, you know, survived the great depression. So obviously they, he instilled, my grandfather instilled hard work ethics into her who, and she passed that on to me. So if I know that with my family, there are certain, uh, like catchphrases or specific lessons that my parents have imparted on me. Are there any things that really stick out to you that you would be willing to share with everybody? Something that, you know, just rolls through your mind that your parent, specifically your mom, that, that she always told you, that she always, uh, and it doesn't have to be verbatim, but mm-hmm. something that someone else might get a, a good a good piece off of. Well, my, my mom's not really uh, much for quotes. Mm. You know, she, she'll say something the same way a hundred times or some different the same thing a different way a hundred times mm-hmm. but uh she's always you know pretty much said like well obviously because i'm young like what what who matters if you fail you know what matters if your lemonade stand doesn't become the next milo's lemonade right because you're so young and that's something i think a lot of people forget is they they get caught in what i call the machine mm-hmm. you know you got you got to go to high school you got to do great in high school you got to go to college you got to go to got to go to law school it's not true at all i mean i coming out of high school yeah, I was a good student. I wasn't the best student. I wasn't valedictorian, but I, I was an honors graduate. And I had a chance to speak to, you know, somebody who graduated in the top 10 of my class, I think, um, who is, I think, at an Ivy League school right now. You know, we were talking and everything, and he goes, you know, Noah, if, if I were, if I, here he, he said, sorry. He goes, you know, Noah, if you had put in the amount of work I had, you probably would have been valedictorian. I was like, you're probably right. He was like, but you focused more on the social things. Because... What they don't tell you is the kids who only focus on academics become the kids who only focus in work. And what that leads to is that leads to either you're, you know, that that's very, it's a very good trait being very obsessed with work, but you don't enjoy, nobody looks back and says, wow, I'm glad I build 3000 hours in a year. Mm-hmm. Nobody looks back on their deathbed and says, I'm glad I, you know, I'm glad I worked over the weekend and missed my kids t-ball game. Right. I don't right. have kids, but nobody looks, nobody looks, no, no gravestone says, I'm glad I worked. And I'm glad I did that. And so what I really learned is that work as much as you can when you're young. That way, when you when I do get to the point where I have kids, you know, I'm not, I have time to step away, raise the kids. Because I think that's the most important. I think a, kids need a mom and a dad to really teach them everything. Um, and so I, I would say that. Boom, honestly, we're canceled just for boom, that one. Yeah. Thing. <laughs> that's, that's, you know, I think from the beginning of the show to the end, I'm getting more and more controversial. So As it should be. Because you we know, want to like. Exactly. You know, Customer, our audience retention. Yeah, it right. Helps the YouTube algorithm. You never know what he's going to say next. Is yeah. anyway, he might end up going completely off the rails here. Yeah, surprise even I might, me. I might talk about gun rights in a second. We might Whoa. really get canceled. Easy now. Exactly. Wow. Media Matters is going to. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Vox is not having a good day right now. But um, but no, seriously. So so you know, my mom has always pretty much said like, you know, what if, you uh-huh. know, um, and I'm not one of those people who goes, you burn the burn the boats when you get there. Because mm-hmm. those people are either the most successful or they're alcoholics because they failed, but they didn't have a, a backup plan. And so going through college, I mean, I'm still currently in college. I was always like, okay, well, if I'm not, if I'm not successful and, you know, if I'm not what I would consider successful by, you know, the end of law school, 
right? I can always just go be a lawyer. You know, I have a degree from, you know, hopefully UGA if they let me in, which I don't think they should. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm not smart, but people keep th- telling me I am, right? It goes back to that imposter syndrome. Um, you wanted to get in politics because it's a place you felt like you could fit Exactly. In. <laughs> those, exactly. I mean, those. I'm telling you, uh, I've, I have not met, you know, a senator or congressman that I would say, you are, you're a genius, you know, because geniuses don't go into politics. And I'm not a genius. But, you know, getting back to it, I think that that's going to get clipped, me saying I'm not a genius. <laughs> um, but getting back to it. I'll be the one to clip I it think the most I think the most important thing you can learn is, is connections, yeah. right? Because, I mean, Grant Cardone said something where he said, I'm only going to pay for, like, four colleges, right? And it's like, print. he's like, I'm only going to send them to wherever the Blackstones, the Gateses, you know, the Buffets, wherever they're going. And I think that's a big thing. I mean, I know, you know, politics really is a meritocracy, but it's a meritocracy that that is run with nepotism as well. And so it's not a nepotism in terms of family, but it's in terms of who you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, starting out in politics as somebody whose family has some political connections, but not, you know, you know, can't call the White House and schedule a meeting, but, um, you know, we can call a county commissioner and get a meeting. So that's, that's a little cool. Mm-hmm. But um, starting off in politics, you know, not really knowing anybody and having a different last name than the bulk of my family, uh, who are the connected part of my family, I have a different last name because, you know, my mom is connected to the family, not my dad. Right. So I have my dad's last name. So that, you know, I think really helped build relationships um, because I think that's the most important thing. You know, Im- imagine you're going to school and then 30 years later you turn on the TV. Oh, you're somebody you gave answers to in the third grade math class is now, you know, the president of the United States. Like, that's just something cool. And you yeah. can, you know, call in the favor for helping him with his multiplication tables. Got a so I mind. think that the most important thing really is building connections. Yeah. Because the more people you know, you know, if you break down at 2 a.m., you don't want to just be relying on one person. You want to have a handful of people you can call. Yeah, no kidding. I got a buddy of mine that I played uh, youth football with, went to the uh, Under Armour Youth All-American game. He was one of the running backs for the Steelers now. Jalen cool. Samuels, man. Like, yeah. And you never know where those types of connections are going to are gonna take you because uh, eventually I hope to have him on, on this podcast cool. and everything like that. Uh, it's also helped tremendously with just getting uh conversations it's one of our great episodes that we had uh, is uh with charles billingsley who's a big time christian uh, mm-hmm. christian music artist out of out of lynchburg virginia uh friend of mine goes to his church walked up to him like, hey want to be on this podcast wild this was actually one of the first podcasts we had video for too but you never know when when things like that are gonna are gonna pan yeah. out and play hey. off and I, I give all that to give a segue into another story I want you to tell, and that is, like, you have a letter of recommendation from Clarence Thomas. Yeah. How did that come about? So, um... Please tell me it's a lot cooler than just a phone call being like, hey, can you write this to... So, growing up in the South, like you did as well, mm. um, you make, you know, everyone knows everyone, right? Especially, you know, nowadays, yes... Um, unless you grew up in Atlanta, Charlie, you know, obviously you can't know everybody in Atlanta. So I, uh, I have, you know, an uncle or a great uncle, I guess it would be who, um, who grew up in Savannah, Georgia. And, you know, I was talking to him the other day or sorry, not the other day, a couple weeks, months ago. And we were talking, I hadn't really talked to him that much. You know, he's a distant family member who I've met a few times and everything. And, you know, we were talking and, 
you know, he was like, oh, any ideas what you want to do? And I was like, oh, you know, I want to go to law school, you know, and I'd already had some letters of recommendation because that's, you know, a big thing really is if you're, you know, if you're an average student, but you get a letter of recommendation for somebody cool, it might bump you up. Mm-hmm. And again, I have, I have good grades. I have a good GPA, but at the same time, it's like, I want to pad the stats as much yeah. as possible. Right. You know, I want, I want to guarantee, I don't want 92. I want 99% chance that I'm getting in. Right. Um, so we're talking and everything and, uh, and he goes, oh yeah, well, one of my, uh, one of my friends I grew up with, he's a federal judge. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. 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 He was like, well, if you'd like want him to write you a letter of recommendation or whatever, just let me know. I mean, he owes me a few favors back in the day, you know, and stuff like that. I was like, okay. And then I was talking to, um, to his son, I guess it was, uh, that's another, I guess that's a cut. I get confused when it comes to family trees. Again, I'm not <laughs> smart. If UGA, if the, you know, the Dean of the UGA law is watching this, I'm not smart. You probably shouldn't let me in, but I hope you do. Um, <laughs> so I was talking to his, to his son. So I guess, I guess that's my cousin still. Yeah. And everything. I was like, oh yeah, you know, your dad was telling me that, you know, he knows this federal judge or whatever. And then he goes, you know who it is, right? And I go, no, I didn't ask. I mean, there's so many federal judges. I mean, there's hundreds of them throughout yeah, the country. Yeah, you're talking about a federal circuit judge. Yeah, you're talking right? about appellate. Are we talking about, are we talking about U.S. attorney? What are we talking about? And he goes, oh yeah, it's Clarence Thomas. I go, what? what? <laughs> it's it too? And then he was like, I was like, you're kidding. And he goes, no. And so, so technically the letter of recommendation has not been written. Okay. But um, it, it's there. And so, I, I mean, I believe him. He's never lied to me before. And I mean, he probably did. I mean, he grew up in Savannah and same place where, That's so where cool, Clarence man. Thomas grew up. And so I think if, if that can't get me into UGA law, I really don't deserve to go to UGA <laughs> law. Because I, I mean, I hope that because uh, UGA law right now is named after somebody who, um, who didn't go to UGA law. It's named after uh, Secretary of State under um, JFK and then LBJ, um, Dean Rusk, I believe it is. Mm. Um, I hope in the future that it, whenever, unfortunately, when Clarence Thomas passes everything, I would like it to be named after Clarence Thomas. Because even though he didn't go to UGA law, I still think that he's probably one of the best legal minds from this generation to come from Georgia. And I think his story is very uniquely American. It could only happen in America. Yeah. I mean, you come from a, you know, I know all the, the, it's really the white liberals, but all the liberals who like to push, you know, systemic racism, go talk to Clarence Thomas because he actually faced systemic racism. Well, they pulled his documentary off of Amazon. The whole reason why uh, Created Equal uh, which mm-hmm. is Clarence Thomas's story through his eyes. Uh, the whole reason that documentary got pulled from Amazon was because it went against the narrative of critical race theory and all that stuff that was being done. And, and so that's how the Daily Wire was able to pick it up and buy it. Oh. And that, that's how they're able to distribute it now is because Amazon was like, nah, we're not going to put it out in there. It goes against our narrative. Yeah, it goes against the narrative. So one of the things I want to talk with you about uh, next is starting to transition into some culture talk here. And one of the things that happens in the culture when you have ambitious young people, specifically like 25 and under, is they are either lauded or they are criticized. Which one have you had more of? And then talk to me a little bit about the dynamic of both. What does that look like in your life so far? I mean, obviously, if we're talking about people on the left, it's obviously criticism. You know, yeah. they, you know they, I've had a guy, oh God, I had a guy tell me, some some guy found my Facebook profile or like cover photo and was like, yeah, one of you, you're missing a button there or something. I was like, what are you talking about, dude? Like what, how how bad is 
is your life that you went to my Facebook profile picture and found out that my button was unbuttoned or something, right? But um, I would say I, I've mostly been, you know, received very well. I mean, I think the one thing about young conservatives is that older conservatives, it really welcomes older conservatives because I think there is, and I think that, you know, obviously it's not a guarantee, but I think that there's a lot of young conservatives throughout the country who are re ready to take, to, I guess, carry on the torch. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that a lot of older conservatives get really happy when they see younger people that are ready to carry the torch and ready to do the, the brunt of the fight. Um, yeah, I know I've definitely, I mean, I already got a big head to start with, but I've definitely received, you know, some, some letters and some emails and some DMs that are, you know, Hey, I think you're the future of the country. Hey, I think you're this, you're that. I'm, I don't really want, I don't want to be president. You know, that's too much responsibility, but I appreciate <laughs> everybody who wants me to be president. That's, that's I think one of the biggest honors mm -hmm. somebody can say. Um, but I, I've received, uh, you know, a lot of people, I've, now I've received a lot of criticism because I don't always, you know, agree with whatever the talking points are, I would say. Um, I remember uh, back in, I guess it was 2018 or 19 or maybe 17, I don't know. I remember uh, Donald Trump, you know, came out in favor of red flag laws and I'm very conservative, very pro second amendment. I mean, you and I went through a little bit of my gun collection. Yep. Um, and I remember saying like, hey, that, that's a bad idea. Um, and I remember there were a lot, of, I lost like, couple hundred followers that day um which obviously i mean if you you i think you either support someone or you don't there's mm -hmm. nobody you're gonna 100 percent agree with besides pretty much yourself um so i've received a lot of criticism and some some of the criticism has been good and i've grown from some of the things i've heard um you know because i think that i think that anybody who thinks they're right on everything is either trying to sell you something mm -hmm. or is a fraud and i know i'm not right on everything and i'm sure my political opinions will change over the years again um, you know, Ben Shapiro talks about how if you don't, anything you say before the age of like 25, it's just like scrap it from the history. Yeah, books. just go ahead and go ahead. No, you should I, be able I'm to not, hit reset at 25. And yeah, just... I'm not sure that I completely believe it or uh, believe that or agree with it. Although I, there, there's, there's some merit to it. However, I well, think that. I think there's certain life experiences that I haven't lived. Right. That, you know, whenever something like that happens, you start to. Now the good thing for for stuff you know for like that is people tend to become more conservative as they get older. Well, I so. also think that the state of the union changes. That's true as well, and you know the Overton window shifts. Yeah, and I, oh, I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, science comes out. I mean, yeah, proving, disproving. Thirty years ago, forty years ago, I mean, speaking on the issue of abortion again, getting a little bit more controversial as we go on and on. Um, speaking on the issue of abortion, I mean, I, I saw something. I don't know the rough numbers. I, I just read over it that uh in the 1970s or yeah it was like 1975 like two years after roe v wade uh was terribly decided um they they took a poll and most americans believe that a baby wasn't viable until like 35 weeks or something like that out of like 40 weeks and you look at it now and babies are viable um i think i saw something about a baby at 17 weeks who survived outside the womb yeah and so as science changes you know policy and what people believe change and you it's always important to to to, to keep in mind how people are raised mm -hmm. um i mean i'm sure you know there are you know i was talking to my grandmother about it because i was driving around athens because uh, you know obviously i just you know uh got you know the office and everything here i was driving around often athens and i'm not sure if you, you came this way when you were driving in but um there's a big thing up at the front that i'll show you after this if you didn't it says like uh, it's been 60 years since uga was integrated 
you know how many people are over, older than the age of 60 in America? So I, I'm always one of the people who, you know, obviously racism is terrible and I'm not defending racism, but in terms of you got to understand how people were raised, right? And how, you know, if you're young, you're way more open to change than if you're older, right? Right. And so I think that as the Overton window shifts and everything and certain stuff that was allowed to be said, that's now not allowed to be said, just even in my lifetime. I mean, in my lifetime, both political parties didn't support gay marriage and now pretty much got universal support from everyone. Yeah. Um, you know, President Trump was the first uh, first presidential candidate to have an, like an LGBT4 a thing against and he also put in the first uh openly gay cabinet level officer and that never would have happened under you know george bush or barack obama um and i think that it's really some some changes obviously are good and needed um i think everybody should be afforded the same avail or the same abilities to succeed as everyone else uh, regardless of immutable characteristics right and then i think that some changes that we see really are, are bad for the country uh, like what's going on with critical race theory and what's going on with trying to uh, to really to teach Americans to hate America. And I think that there's a more sinister plot behind it because I'm not I'm sure you've met Republicans and Democrats. Mm-hmm. And I think that you, you would agree that this this part of the statement is not controversial, that people who love America, you know, are both Republican and Democrats. But people who hate America, I think, are overwhelmingly left wing. I think they're overwhelmingly left. There are right-wing people who think that America is turning into a bad country, but so I think that that's really some changes aren't good, some changes are bad. I really, honestly, forgot the question that you even asked. But <laughs> no, nah, man, I, I, I like it. Like you're very good at, at, uh, when you get on a roll taking something. Yeah, like, no, I, I if you ask the right question, I could talk for probably an hour and just <laughs> roll it into everything and talk about everything. Now, one of the things that you're talking a little bit about abortion there for a second, you're wearing a pin right now that has mm-hmm. to do with that. Why don't you explain the pin yeah, a little so bit? So this pin was worn um, on the floor of the uh, of the Georgia, I think it was the state house, um, as uh, as the Harpy bill was passed. Um, I think for the second time. I think it had to pass two or three times uh, for it to go through. Um, but yeah, it was, it was given to me actually by uh, by Joshua Edmonds, who's the um, I don't know, president, chairman of uh, the Georgia Life Alliance, mm-hmm. which they do a lot of, uh, they do a lot of work for it. Um, it was given to me, it was worn by a state house member on the floor. And I was actually, I was in the rafters. I don't know what you call it. You know, it's like where you watch the, the votes taking place. Whatever it is, yeah. um, I was, I was there when that bill passed, but this was worn by a state house member, obviously a Republican when it passed. So I always thought that was cool. I, you know, you know, some people collect challenge coins. Those are too heavy and bulky. So I like to I like to collect lapels. Um, so I have a congressional one. I have a, a Senate one. I have to pick up an Attorney General one from Chris Carr. Now this one is just a set of small. I think it's this is glass um, looking uh, baby feet. I, I could be wrong, but this is um, a baby the same size as a baby's feet at maybe it's eight weeks or ten weeks. Um, I don't know. Joshua would know more about that. What what where it is in the, in the process, but um, but yeah, it was it was pretty cool. Wow. And I like to keep it on because one thing that my mom taught me when I was young is she always said, uh, this is probably a Southern thing. You probably heard something similar is, you know, don't start a fight, but you're not going to get in trouble when you come home if you're defending somebody else. And so I think that, you know, I, I really, if I just, if I had to summarize what I, uh, what I really like to do, I really like to defend those who can't defend themselves, mm-hmm. whether that's, you know, a baby in the womb, somebody who um, either for some reason, you know can't articulate themselves i've always tried to 
try to be a leader. Like right now, there's a whole a whole process going on called Unmask Our Children in the state of Georgia, which is basically you know trying to urge a couple of things, trying to urge school boards not to force it, and trying to urge some action out of the state government as well. Um, and most people are either are they I mean they work for somebody, they are shy, they can't go and speak at these school board meetings because if they do, they would either be stuttering, they'd be so nervous. But I mean, I talk in front of people all the time, um, so I like to always try to. You know, I'll take the arrows for the entire for the entire crew, and so I think that that's really the most vulnerable among us are those who whose lives determine on whether or not their parents, you know, want them to come to full term. Yep. So a lot of the things that we've been talking about are very faith based, and we actually have a show through Forerunner Productions that leans heavily into our faith. It's called The Shelter Hole, and it's hosted by my father, Big John G. He is really awesome at taking scripture and making it applicable to our lives by sharing a lot of his own experiences. So if you want to get a little bit more Jesus time in your life, if you want to ha hear some great conversations that always come back to our faith in ways that our faith is both being challenged and ways that we can always better ourselves in the culture around our faith, make sure you go check out The Shelter Hole on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. It's an absolutely phenomenal show. You've encountered a few lawsuits yeah. At this point, at 20 years old, you've already encountered a few lawsuits with some of these business ventures. What can you tell me about some of these suits? What, like, walk me through the story of some of these things. So, my podcast is called Let Freedom Ring, right? And when I was 16, 17 years old, you know, I didn't think about trademarks, patents. Well, I, don't, I always get confused trademarks, patents, everything like that, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I did the podcast for off and on for two, three years at this point, probably going on three years at this point. I think it was 2018, so we're 2021, so something like that. Um, and, you know, for the most part, people really didn't, you know, didn't say anything. Like, oh, let friend ring, you know, this, that, the other. Um, and then, uh, you know, it started to grow, and I did not think it would grow. I was just doing it because I liked, you know, I liked getting my opinion out. And really, the reason I was, the reason I started the podcast, which I think is funny, is because, you know, I think most people, who listen to my show probably are the are the ones in the family, but uh, I think most people have like one person they look to for certain things. Like if you, I don't know if you're related or know a mechanic at all, mm. but if you you know you hear a weird noise or something, who are you gonna call? You're gonna call the mechanic, right? And so everyone, I mean, I th I don't think there's anybody I'm friends with or related to who don't know that you know I know a little bit about politics, at least something, right? Um, and so I'm the one typically people called, and so I was like tired of you know, having to say the same thing to the same people, you know, 10 times a day, 10 times a week. Right. And so I started as like, so I started the podcast as a way to really just kind of get everything down. And so someone was like, Hey, no, I see that. Uh, oh, for instance, one of the first ones I did was about, um, the national interstate compact act. Right. And because states have hundred percent say over how they do their elections, mm -hmm. at least they're supposed to. And now if SB one passes, then we'll have some problems. But so what that means is, you know, most states, I think 48 states, you know, winner take all. You get, you know, you get 51%. In Georgia, you get all 16 votes. I think with the exception of Nebraska and Maine, it's like that. And then Nebraska, it, it goes on. The winner of the state gets the two senatorial votes. And then, because, you know, you know how it works. I mean, the, every state gets at least three electoral votes. It's the, it's the um, direct number of their congressional representation. So your two senators and however many congressmen you have. If it's California, you got like 55. And if it's uh, Montana, you only have one. Mm -hmm. um, and so 
what one of the first ones I did, because this was kind of a big idea back then, was a lot of states agreed to just send their electoral votes to whoever won the national popular vote, which is something that I, you know, I was completely against. Um, and so I remember I recorded a podcast about that. It was actually one of the best podcasts in terms of numbers that early on, right? And mm-hmm. like every other one was at like, I think like 15 listeners. And this one jumped up to like 80, 90 listeners. I was like, whoa, yeah, starting to make it. Um, and now if I get an episode that has 90 listens, I'm like, what did I say? <laughs> you know, what What did I do? Or what didn't I say? Yeah, like, like, how what, bo- why was I boring? Like, why did nobody, why didn't, well, no, actually, then the question becomes, why did nobody even listen to it for 30 seconds or mm-hmm. however long it takes for it to get yeah. it? And that's why, you know, I keep getting more and more controversial. So you stay around. Um, <laughs> see, that's why the best people to interview are those people who understand yeah. shows and audience retention. If I give you everything good in 30 seconds. Why are you going to go? You know, exactly. You ain't going to go nowhere. Um, yeah. And so, uh, so getting back into so you know it's stuff like that so I had a couple of people who were like hey you know I saw this thing on Fox News this morning um, that uh, you know the Democrats are trying to get a national popular vote and I was like oh I actually just recorded a podcast about this here you go and obviously it's morphed uh, as time but um, what happened is as it grew you know people reached out to me about doing sponsorship stuff like that and I've done some over the years done some not done some um, because I only I don't I don't want to tell you to buy something that I wouldn't buy myself. Right. Right. Like I'm sh- you drink this coffee. Oh, absolutely. I you do. know? And so you're not going to tell somebody to go buy a bad cup of coffee because nope. it looks bad on you. Cause I consider, you know, I consider many of my listeners, longtime listeners, family. I mean, I talk to some of them all the time. Excuse me. I have a phone call with this guy in Iowa. Um, who's a, who's a disabled veteran. We, we talk probably at least once a month, just, you know, at random, this is somebody who, just followed me on Twitter one day and now, you know, he, he's, he's, he's probably one of my biggest supporters. And I also, a little backtrack, I, I never believed it when people were like, oh, you know, I love my fans. You know, you guys are like family. I was like, I was like, shut up. Okay. Taylor Swift, <laughs> shut up. What are you talking about? But then like, you know, and I'm you again, nowhere near Taylor Swift. You don't care about any of these people. Yeah, that's what I always thought. And I'm sure for some people that's the truth, but at least for me, cause you know, I've always been very extroverted, love talking to people. And if my mom knew that I was like 16 years old, give my number out to random people on the internet, like, yeah, give me a call. She'd probably have taken my phone away. Um, but yeah, I mean, and so what happened was, you know, I grew, the company grew and everything, or the, the company, the podcast grew and everything. And then I guess there was some show by some radio network in New York that hadn't even been on air since the 90s, but I guess whatever it was, trademarks or whatever, lasts for like 100 years or I don't know. Uh, again, UGA Law, if you're listening, you probably shouldn't let me in. Um, but anyway, so I... Or maybe do let him in because he, oh, he has more practical experience than yeah, any of your other students exactly. at this point. I don't know. Um, but anyway, so I'll give you the rundown. The most lawsuits, 99.9% of civil lawsuits, they'll send a, de- a cease and desist and then you'll negotiate and you'll work it out. And typically they just want money, right? Nobody wants to go to law. Nobody wants to go to court. They just want to you know, either give you money or take money away because your lawsuits are not good. They take time and whatever. Um, so yeah, one day got a, I don't know how they got my address. Um, got a certified cease and desist. Quit using Let Freedom Ring. Um, actually, what saved me in that lawsuit? I'm not even sure if I want to tell you this is that the podcast's technical title was Let Freedom Ring, hosted by Noah Ring. Yeah. Um, so that saved me probably a lot of money. Um, and then you know I've been sued some other times about other sort of copyright infringement type things. I guess it's copyright. And again, I have no idea the difference. Between, I couldn't tell you the difference between. Co- I know patents are inventions. I couldn't tell you the difference between copyright and trademarks to save my life. 
It sounds like you need a producer, man. Yeah, it sounds like I need a producer. Hopefully, I can find one soon. You know any good producers? I, I know, I know one or two. Yeah, we'll I, talk I, about I, it. We'll, after have the to, show. We'll, we'll have to talk about it. That's gonna drop audience retention if you, you know, if we talk about producing. Yeah, we can't. Yeah, they can't talk about. It. We'll talk about, talk about it later. We'll talk about it later. But um, but yeah. So you know, I've had you know I, my lawyers. You know, been practicing law for a while. He went to UGA Law, um, and everything. So you know, he reached he reached out to me a couple of years ago, and he was like, hey, you know, if you ever need, you know, if something ever crazy happens, if you ever need my services or whatever, you know, just let me know. We'll work it out you know, within whatever. Right. Um, and now it's at the point where I, you know, now I have them looking, looking over contracts. You know, you, I know, you know, something about, you know, lawyers looking over contracts, mm-hmm. um, and just random things. You know, I had COVID a couple of weeks ago and I thought I was going to die because I'm, I'm very <laughs> dramatic, you know, you know, as most men are when we get sick, it's, you know, I get a cold, I'm going to die. Uh, so I had him draft a new will and everything. And obviously <laughs> I'm alive yeah. and I'm kicking. I'm not kidding. I called him. <laughs> I called him at kid. like three in the afternoon. 20 years old. No, yeah. It was, oh I called him at like three in the afternoon. And I was like, dude, I'm not going to make it, man. I got 101 degree fever. I'm not going to make it. I'm going to, I'm going to email you over. Can you just make it legally binding? So what yeah. Ta- I'm a, what 20 year old has a will? I have a will. You, you, know, you, gotta, <laughs> you know, I, well, when, listen, there's, you know, there's a long, you know, I, I've had to deal with probates and stuff like that. Oh, and, you know, man. I just want more probate. I just want everything to go away. It's supposed to go. I guess, honestly, if I die, it doesn't matter. But I had a will beforehand. Um, you know, I, I left my car to somebody. And, man, I'm glad I ain't got nothing to give away right now. Yeah, know, well, my family would be screwed. Yeah, well, you know, they, they could liquidate my companies and probably make it okay. But, yeah, you know, that's, but that, then that, I that's started, the I started planning my funeral and I, I asked him, I, I said, <laughs> oh, gosh. listen, I said, hey, you know, will you, <laughs> I, I won't, my funeral would be a campaign rally. I'm not even kidding. Oh, my gosh. You know, you're... I, I had it set to where if I did pass away, he'd invite, you know, Governor Brian Kemp to come speak, <laughs> Donald Trump Jr. You know, it'd be a campaign rally. You know, if I'm going to, my life has been consumed by politics. Oh, it's only man. right if my eulogy is given by the governor of the state of Georgia, my favorite state in the country. All right. I asked, you know, I had him, I asked, I had asked him if he would ask Sonny Perdue to come say a few words and David <laughs> Perdue. I'm not kidding. This, this is the truth. And, um, and then obviously, you know, the sad later. part is that I 100% believe you. Like, the sad part is it's 100% true, and I could probably pull my will up online. Um, but um, but no, I uh, but now obviously a few days later, and you know some some Gatorade later, and now we're fine. Probably should have you know went to south side of Jacksonville, Florida, and got some hydrochloroquine and just you know looked like Hunter Biden and just shot it <laughs> just up. But, um, I would have been fine. But, you know. Oh, my but yeah, no, so. What I would tell most people, if you're listening to this and you want to get into media or you want to whatever, well, one, I mean, I would say don't get into political media because that's the worst type of media. And nobody gets mad at sports. I should have went to sports media. Nobody gets <laughs> mad at you know, people covering the NFL draft, but I had to choose the one that makes people upset. Let's um, be honest here. Which one's more fun? I don't know, though. I'd love to interview Tom Brady. <laughs> I would love. Okay. I have so many questions I want to ask that man. Oh, man. Um, I might be able to ask him after politi- after uh, after he's done with football because you know he seems very conservative to me. Mm. But um, but no, I mean, I th- well, no, one, get, I th- get Tebow. I think you. Oh, I could get Tebow. You could get Tebow. I got some connections to Tebow too. You got some connections. Yeah, to Tebow? I got. What's some connections our, to I have to talk offline. Um, but anyway, um, no, because he's from ja- he's from Nice, which is in Jacksonville, mm-hmm. which is you know right right down the road from, from an hour away from where I grew up. Yep. But um, but yeah. I would say don't worry about lawsuits. If you want to do something, do it. Yeah. And nine times out of ten, the people, you know, lawsuits never end up anywhere. And then, you know, always just find you a good UGA law graduate. They'll get you out of the lawsuits is what I learned. I uh, In our retainer agreement, I don't even know what you call it, 
um, there's like a bonus for every time he gets me out of a lawsuit. Nice. So he's, you know, very um, incentivized to not have a lawsuit. So with this career in politics, where do you want to take that? What, what is your dream ultimatum with your career in politics? So that's a very good question. Um, something that has Immediately changed. goes into the politician answer. It's, it's a very good question. question. You thing. know, I, you, first off, I want to thank you for what you're doing. Okay, you're doing a great job. <laughs> there it is. The media like this. Is this is it. This yeah. is it. No, um, you know, I, 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 that's a, I, um, <laughs> I, I don't know. And that's the thing is I don't know, right? I, I, because I love explaining things. And, you know, what made Rush Limbaugh great is that he could look at a 2,000-page bill and understand it and be able to tell you as you're driving to your, you know, your job as a carpenter. And make it funny. And ma- yeah, make it funny. With one hand tied behind his back with talent on loan from God. Yeah, that man, um, like, so a lot of people don't know this, like Rush got his start as a comedian. Yeah. He, he was doing stand-up Not as funny comedy. as me, but yeah. <laughs> I told you that joke beforehand. It was yeah, a good joke. That's a good joke. Um, maybe we'll tell it, maybe that'll go, that'll go on locals.com. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, we'll have to mark that one down. Yeah, yeah I need you to tell that joke. I need you to tell that joke. If you want to hear Noah tell this joke, I'll give you a hint. It deals with Stacey Abrams. If you want to hear Noah tell a joke about Stacey Abrams, you got to go be a supporter at locals.com. So go to www.forerunnerproductions.locals.com and become a, subscri- a subscriber today. All right, keep going. It's a great, it's a great joke. Let's just start there. <laughs> but um, it's gonna get us sorry, off where, the internet. Where were we at? Where were we at? I forgot where we were at. Oh, okay. where are you Politics. trying to take this thing? You know, I've had that thought, you know, from time to time, and I was like. You know, I used. I think every kid wants to be president, and anybody who wants to be president hasn't spent enough time in the media to realize you can't do anything right if you're president. I'm you're sorry, always going to. You could not pay me. You're always going to make a little over half the country mad at anything, right? Because nobody agrees on anything. Mm-hmm. Um, you could not pay me enough to be president; it wouldn't be worth it. I'd love to be vice president. <laughs> That's a cool job. Let me be vice president. Go shake hands. Give me a microphone. Let me still do the podcast. Be a great job. Um, I don't know. See, I think that. I, well, I don't. Well, also, I don't know what the future of media is. I think the future of media is more stuff like this instead of Fox News or right. whatever. Right? I think it's it's independent stuff like this um, because they think that you know you don't you know your agenda or whatever your agenda is. Right? Because everybody has an agenda. Everybody wants to push something through. Right? Like the show you were talking about in the shelter hole. I mean, that's obviously to grow discipleship. Mm-hmm. Everyone has an Absolutely. agenda. Anybody who tells you they don't have an agenda are wrong. It might be a good agenda. Might be you know the agenda might be to better. Right. humanity but everybody has an agenda i have the same argument with propaganda right propaganda leaves a bad the word propaganda leaves a bad taste in our mouth because it's been used for so much bad however like there's a like i'm not against propaganda so long right. as the propaganda is good right, right? like if it, if it is moral if it is ethical if it is something that you can like actually build a society on the federalist papers started as propaganda it was 100 propaganda, yeah. propaganda to get the state to get the city of new york most of the state of new york but most of the city of new york on board with the Constitution rather than it being uh, right. rather than the uh, Articles of Confederation. A lot of people forget about that. Yeah, it's good. No. Pro- it's good propaganda. Yeah, and propaganda is not necessarily always bad. Right, and but so, nine times out of ten, it is. You know, whenever it's you know from the Chinese because Party it, it, or, because it's so easy to be weaponized for the wrong purposes. Exactly. But I I enjoy like you know I would like to say oh in the future I'd love to have a six to nine rate I'd love to have the twelve to three hour on radio and I'd love to. You know, do this, that, the other, right? But I don't know what the future is. I think the future is not radio. I think it's podcasting. Because mm-hmm. this is, you know, to people who are only listening to the audio, this is basically a radio show yeah. 
on demand. And I think, I think that, the future is on demand. And I think that anyone that is old school that likes the radio feel, I think that what syndicated radio stations are going to be doing is they're going to start signing syndicating deals. podcasts. They're going to start syndicating podcasts. They're going to get the You're recorded podcast networks and stuff. Yeah, like whatever, that. whether it's a live stream of a podcast or whether they are on demanding the podcast to fill their blocks of time, they're going to have deals with podcast hosts. They're going to get the audio for the podcast, and they're just going to run the podcast on their. I mean, think about it. That's the radio that's show. the first hour of Ben Shapiro's radio show, which yeah. is one of the biggest, one, biggest, you know, at least conservative yeah. radio shows in the in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, w- I would say it's probably somewhere like that. You know, obviously, you know, traveling and speaking. I, I love speaking. I love I love speaking because you know it gets me out of my my studio, obviously, and I get to go meet people because I've met some very interesting people. Extroverts unite. Oh yeah, dude. Well, I've met some interesting people. Um, there's there's a guy, there's a kid who travels around Georgia. His name's Cooper Guyon. He's a good friend of mine. Um, he uh, he he travels around. He speaks a lot. He wrote a book when he was 15 years old called like a 15 year old's uh, case to save America or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's a great book. Um, but anyway, so there was this one one guy who came up to me. I told Cooper this this morning. He laughed. He came up to me and he said, uh, "Yeah, you know." Uh, you're not quite as good of a speaker as Cooper Guyon, but you're, you're almost there or something like that. <laughs> and I called, I told Cooper that this morning. He laughed so hard. I was just like, you ain't the best. It's like, you say, you're pretty you, good. You're, you know, pretty you're, pretty good. you're pretty good. I was like, really? That, that, and that's, like, that is the deep like, south, well, southern Georgia. I was like, you Georgia. obviously didn't, you obviously didn't hear the, the joke I told, but okay, no. Cooper would never <laughs> say that. Um, but anyway, you, you meet, you just meet people and you get to meet really, you get to meet Americans. Mm-hmm. You get to meet true Americans. I mean, my family, my grandfather, when he was growing up, split time between Delaware and West Virginia, well, Virginia, West Virginia, right on the line. And I remember they, um, you know, had a house in Virginia, Southwest comma Virginia, not Southwest Virginia, Southwest comma Virginia. They'll get mad if you get that mixed yeah. up. So yeah. people in South, My, our people, whole family is people in West Southeast West Virginia don't want to hear anything about Southwest Virginia. Trust me. <laughs> um, but anyway, so my whole family. You're, my, you understand it is from west virginia i'm like my, you guys are my literally dad the spent same. time in the coal mines like so so you then you'll, you'll understand where this is going yeah because i remember as a kid uh, you know one summer i don't know how old it was but one summer i went to go visit my grandparents and you know there was uh, it was pocahontas virginia it's right outside it's mm-hmm. like the town right outside because it's not really towns in rural virginia it's just, everything kind of just goes together it's a county exactly yeah, everything runs as a county yeah everything's pretty much just a county thing and so i remember one summer because you know i went to school in F- florida at the time i guess um and we uh you know we got out before they did and so i remember i was up there and we were driving to town one day because and there there's towns you have to drive to town you mm-hmm. know what i'm talking yep. about yeah actually um, gotta, if you are going to a town you gotta get you gotta, you gotta go to town. You gotta go to um, town. If you wanna go get anything, right? And so I remember one year there was, you know, what, what, probably 100 kids just mm-hmm. walking into different classes because, like, there was an outdoor type of campus. And then I remember the next summer, you know, we, we, something similar happened. I remember going, like, it had been a couple of days or whatever. I remember going, you know, where are the kids? And the, the school had shut down because, mm-hmm. you know, there wasn't the coal, what I, what I know now, the coal mines had started shutting down in town because, of regulations and policies and so there wasn't enough money or people to keep the school open so they these people who already have it so much worse off than 95 percent of the country um because they i mean if you have to travel 45 minutes to town you know and you live in a very rural very poor part of virginia anyway that's that's a barrier that's a big barrier and now these kids instead of being able to go to town or go to high school in their hometown now had to drive 30, 45 minutes to the other more, I guess, developed part of the rural counties to go to school. 
And I remember, and I remember, you know, thinking back on it like a couple, a couple months ago or a year ago or so. And I remember thinking like, wow, like th- what happened politically, what happened, what policies led to small towns in America dying? Cause they are dying. Um, and I think it's, I think it'll be, if, if small towns die, I think it'll be the end of the country as we know it. Because I think I would much rather live in small town America than New York City or L.A. One of the things that I, I've recognized uh, by being in business is that everybody thinks that you go to the big city to make it in business. They think that the big cities where all the money's at when it comes to business. You want to go find an investment, you better go to the big city. You want to, you want to make some money, you want to start your business, you better find a city where you got some customers and stuff like that. The city is where the business is done, but all the money is in the boonies. Mm-hmm. Everybody that makes the money in the city doesn't want to live around a bunch of people. They want their privacy. They want their land. They want to have their toys. And they want to be away that, or they want to be living in the penthouse suite that you can't get to. Exactly. And the people that are living in that penthouse suite are either going to take advantage of you or they're not going to give you their cash. So if you're trying to get into business, you best go look for your money somewhere else besides the city. Because mm-hmm. you ain't gonna find it where oh, you yeah. think you're gonna find it. No, you're, you're right. One of the most, one of the wealthiest people I've met. This guy is worth, I don't even know how many figures. A lot mm-hmm. of figures. He lives in. I'll, I'll put it like this, right? If you saw him in public, you would just be like, "Oh, it's just, just another retiree." But this guy is, owns some of the biggest brands in the world, um, and he's the most stand-up guy I've ever met. Um, actually, one of the, I remember we sat down. You know, I, I've always been taught to, like, you know, if, if, if you're going to out to eat with somebody or whatever, you pay. You know, mm-hmm. so if you invite, if I invited you out to eat, it's customary for me to pay. Mm. It's always what I've been taught. And so we were sitting down or whatever. It was a very nice restaurant. We were talking and everything, you know. And, uh, you know, at the end of it, I was like, oh, you know, I'll pay. And keep in mind, this is the type of, this is a very nice restaurant, you know, where, you're, like, you're getting $30, $40, 50 steaks. And he goes, what do you mean you're going to pay? And I was like, I'm going to pay. And he goes, I own the restaurant. And I remember, like, I was like, what? Like, I knew this guy had, you know, was well off. You know, in the South, you know, you know who's well off and you know who's not, even though it's a little hard to tell because they drive the 20 Pull the Bruce Wayne on you, man. Yeah, he's like, like, he was we're like, gonna put, put a couple tables together. I'm not sure you can do that. Oh, of course I can. I own this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, own the, I own the company. And it's like, it's just like. Let the ballerinas go swimming. Exactly. In the little... And I remember thinking, like, I had no idea. And I'll tell you a good story about a good friend of mine named uh, Daniel Merritt. Uh, he's co co owner, sorry, co founder of Nine Line. He sold his half of Nine Line to his brother. Mm-hmm. Um, we uh, he he ran for Congress a while back, and so we were trying to you know have like a, some sort of meet and greet slash fundraiser slash thing for him. And uh, I was trying to help plan because it was in my county because he was running to represent my my district. And um, my buddy uh, Rob gave him a call, and he goes, "Hey, Danny, you know we're trying to you know we're trying to grab beer. I mean this guy running for the Republican nomination in South, in South Georgia. I mean it's not Washington D.C. You drink a beer." Yeah. And, you know. Even in Washington, D.C., they drink a beer. Yeah, I hope so. Um, I hate Washington, D.C. But um, anyway. I've been to D.C. enough times at this point. I can I've been to D.C. It, enough it, times that I've seen I've seen everything I'd, you'd want to see in D.C. and Some I, things that you don't want to see. It's a lot of things <laughs> you don't want to see. But, um, but anyway, I remember he goes, hey, you know, what kind of beer you want? You know, want whatever. And he goes, oh, my favorite type of beer is free beer. This guy's worth This guy's worth a lot of money. This guy had just sold his half of his company, and Nine Line Apparel, for those of you listening, is not a small company. Mm-hmm. Okay, this isn't, you know, this isn't something run out of basement. They got a, I mean, they own the sole rights to like franchise Black Rifle. They own like a lot. And he goes, yeah, my favorite beer is free beer. Like we could have got went and got him like a five dollar case of thirty a thirty pack of beer, not good beer, and he would have been happy with it. 
And I think that also relates to his time in the military. And you spend yeah. it, you spend two years in Afghanistan. Any type of beer in America probably tastes better than the water you were having in I mean, my my brother been deployed three times as a you know fourteen year uh, special yeah. ops vet. He'll take a case of Coors over yeah. just about anything else, man. Yeah, no, I mean, and it's also like it's it's also like you know you've been in the very worst situations almost a person could be, right? Yeah. That everything tastes good, right? Like yeah, the, I, the I, simple things in life mean more. I was talking to a, um, a Navy, I think he was a Navy SEAL, and we were talking, I was like, so after Bud's, you know, and, you know, after all of this terrible training for a year and a half, because, you know, they don't feed you amazing, you're not having filet mignon every night in Bud's, I was like, you know, what was your first meal when you got home or whatever? He's like, dude, I stopped at McDonald's, and I thought, like, I was at the Trump Hotel eating dinner, because it was, like, you know, stuff that actually has a little bit of flavor to it versus, you know, MREs or whatever it mm-hmm. is. The funny thing is that uh, your last weekend buds, they have a like for one of their graduation things. They always make it have like a giant pizza party for mm-hmm. all of them. So they go through like yeah, probably uh, hell three. week. It's the end of hell week. Mm, I've and, heard about this, and they they have a giant pizza party for these guys. So I want to talk to you about two last things, um, and we're gonna get some some deep dive into culture. Uh, before I talk about the culture fight, I want to talk about one of our other interview-based shows, and that is Let's Talk Fortitude. Let's Talk Fortitude is also hosted by Big John G, and it is all about telling the stories of successful entrepreneurs. We take a special pride in interviewing veteran entrepreneurs. There's all sorts of great information over there, as well as one of our entrepreneurs is an active-duty Navy guy who owns his own restaurant while being active-duty and was born in Havana. So if you want to hear his take on the Cuban crisis and what it's like to own a business while also being active duty, make sure you go over to Let's Talk Fortitude and check out that episode and every other episode that's gonna be dropping soon. It is really something to witness. There's a lot of things wrong with our culture today. I agree. I want you- story, that's what <laughs> Great story, thank you everybody. No, um, I want you to tell me which one sticks out to you as as the, the biggest piece of cancer in our culture. And then the second half of this question is I need you to tell me how your career, specifically this this political career and your your show with Let Freedom Ring, how is that going to help solve the problem? Okay. So, step 1, what is the cancer what is the biggest part of uh, of cancer in our culture today? Well, I think that's a very, very hard question to answer, right? Because a lot of the problems tie into each other, right? I mean, right. Nothing exists nothing, in a vacuum. Yeah, it'd be great if all these problems existed in a vacuum. You just blow the vacuum up. Yeah, well, right. Yeah, just check the list. I would say, I would say probably, I I, I think it's two parts. I think because I think it, I think multiple people, multiple angles are to blame, right? I think it's the corporate twenty four seven news media as well as a lack of critical thinking. Mm. And I think that, that that ties into each other with like, it's like you, people who take stuff at face value, oh, this is CNN, oh, this is even really Fox News, we have to believe it 100%, right? Oh, because when they grew up, at least Walter Cronkite acted like he was fair and unbiased, even though, like I got said earlier, everyone has an agenda. Um, and so I think that the biggest problem really is critical thinking, right? I don't, well, and just lack of intelligence. Um, I don't know anybody who can look at what China's doing to our country and say, oh, that's fine. It's okay. I mean, they are, 
gaining every day more and more influence and more and more action over over America. I mean, I'm not sure if you're familiar with what happened a couple of uh, a couple of uh, weeks ago or months ago at this point, I guess, where uh, John Cena apologized in Mandarin for for saying tai, Taiwan, I think it is, is a country. Yeah. And I mean, Taiwan is recognized by dozens of countries. And, you know, and every if a Republican is elected, it's recognized by the U.S. Um, because at least I should say if Donald Trump's elected, if Donald Trump or someone like Donald Trump's at office is recognized by the U.S. Um, because he's not afraid. And I think that the lack of critical thinking and looking at it and be like, oh, OK, OK, it's all right. Yeah, it's fine that China, you know, is stealing American ideas and make, making billions of dollars off of them. Because people who think critically and don't just take things at face value will look at it and, you know, then they'll realize, OK, China's not like America. It's a one party state. OK, let's look at this party. Oh, the party that controls the, the Chinese government is called the Chinese Communist Party. Oh, OK, so they're probably communists. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's I'm a, not sure. I'm not sure. I, I mean, I, I, like something. They, they could be conservative, but they're probably communists. It's, I, it's, it's a good something guess. about it, man. Just gives me this vibe of right. commie. I couldn't be. And man. that's why when people like look at certain companies like AliExpress, Alibaba, stuff like that, you know, you and I, if you hear a company, you know, based out of Raleigh, North Carolina, you're like, oh, okay, you know, you, you look at American companies with a certain thing. The problem is we relate those to Chinese companies. When these Chinese companies, again, are owned by what many would consider to be communism, the Chinese Communist Party, um, who, you know, are currently detaining millions of Muslim uh, Uyghurs yeah. in China, which I think is a big problem. But I think full on uh, genocide. It's not just detain yeah, detention. No, it's, yeah. it, they they're, are they're sterilizing for, the women. Sterilization of the women. They're killing people who, you know, don't convert to the religion of lack of religion mm -hmm. of China, you know, who don't com can convert to believing that this And nobody has a death toll on them right now because there's, it's believed that they're burning the corpses. Exactly. And, you know, getting back to, I, I think also a big problem is that America really is only driven by money. Hmm. The country used to be driven, you know, obviously money is good. We like money. That's why you and I have started businesses. But there's also a certain amount of decency, right? Like if you, if you owned a restaurant and you walked outside and you saw a homeless man, I'm sure you'd be like, hey, come get a plate. You know, like, right. you want to come wash dishes, make some extra money, whatever, right? You try to find a way to help, and I think that's how most Americans are. China's not like that. If you don't, if you don't agree with Xi Jinping or whatever the CCP puts out, you, well, we won't hear from you anymore. Um, like, they have a, they, they make their own billionaires, but the, the billionaire uh, founder of, I think it was Alibaba, he hasn't been heard from in year and a half, two years, because he said something bad about the Chinese Communist Party. And a lot of people say, oh, he's on vacation. Well, I don't know who goes on a two-year vacation, but the guy's probably either in a detention camp or he's dead. Um, and so I think the problem is lack of critical thinking, because people will accept what Jake Tapper or, or, or Anderson Cooper says and just look at it and say, okay, that's, that's got to be true, instead of really looking at the problems in America, right? We have a lot of issues that we need to solve. You know, whether it comes to immigration, whether it comes to, you know, abortion, I think we need to have serious discussions about a lot of things. And the problem is most people don't realize it because they look at this great divide that they that they tell us is there. And I don't see it because driving through rural West Virginia, driving through, you know, which is very conservative, you know, went overwhelmingly. I think West Virginia went like plus 40 for Trump. Right. And then driving through poor parts of blue states. I see the same problems and I see people who get along. I mean, I live in a I live in a county that's you know, it's slightly conservative, but it's still there's a good amount of Democrats there. 
and talking to people um i mean the guy who cut my hair you know he's a democrat and we were talking and i was like i don't see that big divide but it's because that the media has told us that 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 divides there and because politicians tell us every four years that this is the most important election in our lifetime we heard that in november we heard that in january with the runoffs and we'll hear it in 2022 i'm sure and we'll probably hear it in 2024 and we'll probably hear it in every year thereafter and i think that that's not true and the the big problem in america happened in in the 1960s you had conservative and liberal republicans and democrats now you just have republicans and democrats who are either liberal or conservative right and so there's no overlap on ideas um and, and so i think that what i try to do on my show is one i'm i i I don't consider myself a journalist. I consider myself a commentator because mm. I'm not necessarily, you know, going to sit up there and be like, well, on the uh, six o'clock hour today, we'll be speaking about how uh, a helicopter crashed. I don't talk about that. I don't talk about, oh, Joe, President Biden came out today and unveiled his plan. You know, I like to talk about what I believe in terms of what's going on and relating right. that to, you know, to culture, to politics, because the problem is most people just generally do not understand, you know, government in a way that... and rightly rightfully so if that's one of the biggest complaints i hear all the time from so many people is like i'm not into politics because it's too confusing i'm not into politics exactly. because it's it, it's i don't know who to trust right exactly and and rightfully so yeah no rightfully so i mean i've it takes learned... a lot of effort and a lot of time to understand these things exactly and i you know you you know people are like if everyone took a civics class i'm like well here news fact or, or news flash most high schools require civics yeah. 99% of high schools. So that's not the problem. The problem is civics is the idea of how our government's supposed to work, not how our government actually truly fully works. Um, and I think that what I really try to do with my show is related to a common man. I mean, I came from, you know, I didn't come from billionaires. It'd be great if I did, but I didn't. And so I know, I mean, I've, I've, I watched firsthand as the, you know, the, the great or the great recession, you know, caused the mill in my, my County to close. And, you know, at the time you don't realize what's happening, but you realize, you know, later on looking back at it, if you think critically about it, what's going on? And then you start to look at what caused that, you know, what caused this to happen? What caused the great recession? You know, it's politicians being greedy. And the problem with people not paying attention is they can get away with a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and so what I really try to do on my, on my podcast is because I'm a nerd sometimes and I like to, you know, I like things that I like and I like to look at why people do stuff and how they do it. And I really try to relate that with how somebody who, let's say, spends, let's say, I try to act like whoever's listening, the only thing they're going to hear in politics is me. And so I try to take it, and they're only going to hear it for an hour a week, right? Let's say an hour a week. So I try to, how can I summarize a week's worth of stuff down? And I realize that you can find any podcast that'll give you, that'll just tell you what happened. But being able to relate it into a larger thing, like I spoke about earlier with critical race theory and how it's Take really... me down the road of critical thinking. Exactly. Take you down well, the road. How, how are we going to but critically to, think about this? To take it from what takes me 10, 15 hours to understand, to piece things together and whatever, bump that down to 45 minutes to an hour every week. And it, you talk about... And then you have to do it in a way that the average person, you know, who maybe didn't go to high school, maybe didn't go to college how they can understand it mm -hmm. um, because and that's why really why the Congress writes things like because the problem is we send too many lawyers to Congress mm -hmm. but I mean you and I just maybe looked at some legal documents and everything and so you know I was getting your perspective on it and some of the words are like what does this mean yeah and so being able to really take it from a contract 
to taking it to a conversation. Yeah. I think that's a really good summary um, that I just came up with that I'm going to have to write down. But um, <laughs> I guess we have it on recording now. So uh, I'd say that's really what I'm trying to do is trying to, and also to push freedom to my generation. A big thing I'm trying to do is uh, trying to be the, the middleman between the older generation and the younger generation. Mm-hmm. Because I think a 19 a, a year old's view on conservatism is not the same as a 69 year old's view on conservatism because of the different life experiences. Yeah. Brother, you ready to get into to a lightning round? Let's get into a lightning round. Let's go. Let's get into a lightning round. And then I got to tell the joke for yeah, local. Yeah, but that'll Forerunner. be on locals. Forerunner.locals.com. Yeah, Forerunner Productions. Productions. Forerunnerproductions.locals.com. He's getting it down. All right. So the way that the lightning round works, one, two word, maybe three word topics. You got to tell me the first thing that comes to mind as fast as you can do. The it. first phrase. Yeah, a lot, of people like, phrase. a lot of people like first word. I'm like, well, no, sorry. it can be a phrase. You can give me a paragraph like if, if you, you ever, really need to. If you to, ever but... talked to me, I don't really think in one word right. things. You know, it's more contrast. All right, here we go. I'm a dumb man's Kanye West. <laughs> but you still need to try and keep it short. That's the thing. Keep doing the brevity. Thing. I'll try to keep it short. All right, you ready? Yeah. School. Overrated. South Georgia tuxedo. My favorite outfit. I'm wearing a South Georgia tuxedo. South Georgia tuxedo is a nice shirt, preferably UGA, not UF, or I won't like you. A suit jacket, jeans, pair of nice shoes. Corruption. Both parties are, are guilty of that. Trump. Probably the best president in the last 150 years. COVID. I don't want to say a pandemic, but definitely was blown out of proportion in order to institute what I think are a lot of draconian measures. Coffee? My favorite thing every morning. (laughs) You and me both. Hollywood. Only if it is... Pale Horse. Pale Horse. Pale Horse Coffee. Make sure you use promo code Forerunner and check out. Get 10% off your order. It's really good coffee, guys. Um, Hollywood. Overrated and dying, which is probably the best part of it best thing for america is that it's dying it's actually moving to my home state of georgia for the most part most yeah. things are being filmed here trying to forerunner a lot of good things planned yeah speaking of forerunner and this is what we sort of alluded to before how would you like for forerunner to produce let freedom ring man you know acting like we didn't just sign the contracts <laughs> i think i I'm, i i've been watching what you guys have been doing you know i've known you you know what you dm me a couple of mm-hmm. months ago i've been watching up you know anytime i can be with john garrett i think is probably the best you know he's the best i had a chance to talk to him earlier you know i, I I'm, I'm looking forward to what we what we talked about earlier and being able to bring you guys more content on locals.com which will be coming very shortly uh yep. within the month i would say um so yeah i'm looking forward to it so you heard it here noah ring and Let Freedom Ring Podcast is coming to Forerunner Productions as one of our shows. Hey, for legal things, Let Freedom Ring Podcast hosted with, by Noah Ring. Hosted by Noah Ring. For Let Freedom boxes. Ring, hosted by Noah Ring, is coming to Forerunner Productions. And we are about to talk about what that's going to look like, all of the things that we have planned. He's going to tell a joke about Stacey Abrams. And it's all going to happen over on Locals.com. So you got to make sure you go over to forerunnerproductions.locals.com and become a supporter so that you can get access to all the bonus content. Other than that, Noah, thanks for being here, man. Glad to be on. So glad that we got a chance to do this. I've get been looking. Pale, I've, get your pale horse coffee. Promo code Forerunner. <laughs> I've been looking forward to doing this for so long. So this is a really, really awesome conversation. I really appreciate it.
I agree. I think we'll probably be doing it again. Yeah, very soon. See you guys in the next one.